This is Greeny with Mike Greenberg on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on ESPN+. Plus. Number two on this Friday morning, Dan Grassa in for Greeny. You know where you're at. It's 98.7 ESPN. We'll take you for another 60. Then Barton Hahn coming up at noon at 800-919-3776. And we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Get renter's insurance to protect the things that make your place a home, including coverage for theft or damage. Visit Progressive.com. You can check me out on Twitter at Dan Grouse at G-R-A-C-A. Um, real quick, some injury news as far as the Giants are concerned. Brian Dayball talking to the media a few moments ago, and he brought up Kadarius Toney, whose name popped up on the injury report yesterday with a little bit of a hamstring. Dayball said that it tightened up at practice yesterday, and he's getting treatment. And he's going to try to practice today before they determine what his status is going to be for the game on Sunday. Remember, Kadarius Tony was a guy who only was on the field for seven snaps last week, which, look, I thought I got no problem with. And I think if you're a Giant fan, you should have no problem with it either, because it doesn't matter where you were drafted. And that was by a previous regime. I think we all know who drafted him last year, right? In the first round. But Joe Shane didn't. Brian Dayball didn't. And Kadarius Toney is a guy who really was having a hard time staying on the field during the whole offseason, whether that was OTAs, mini camps, training camps, you name it, you know, with a variety of ailments. And then when that first game came around, Brian Dayball basically sending a message to the entire team saying, hey, guys, look, you got to be available. Not just like the week of practice going into game one, like you got to be available like the whole process. And those are the guys we're going to reward, and those are the ones that are going to play. And I think that that's a great message to send to that team, especially when you're talking about a rookie head coach who's just rolled into town, hasn't done this before, right, on any level, and he's trying to lay down a foundation for this program. I, I thought it was great. I really and truly think so. A lot in that first hour still about the Robert Sala comments, the keeping receipts, checking receipts. I hope they're not as long as the CVS receipts, yeah, because that would be a nightmare. But Carl Lawson, who is what, got one game under his belt as a Jet, hoping to be that edge rusher that they have so long been looking for with this organization, probably not since, what, the days of John Abraham, if you want to be frank. But Carl Lawson spent some time earlier this morning chatting with Rick and Dave on DNR, and Carl Lawson was asked, from a player's perspective, do they get motivated when they hear their head coach make comments like that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about the locker room, especially um, it's all about, you know, what's, what's happened in the Jets organization. We have each other's back. We're motivated by our own by our own desires. Guys on teams got families. They, you know, try to protect. They have goals. They want to be the best at what they do. So, I mean, the motivation is, is not just from, you know, something that's said, you know, by our head coach. We got a lot of guys to take pride in what they do. I think it would be a rallying cry for the locker room. And you know what? There were a couple of guys that, that spoke on the record a, a couple of days ago in regards to those comments, and they thought that it was a confidence boost. So really, that's all that matters. Does it not? It should matter what the locker room makes of it and how the locker room feeds off it. They're the ones that have to go out there and run out out of that tunnel onto the field and play. Not you, not me, not any of the fans. It's the players. 
And half the battle, like, you know, half of the half of the recipe of the secret sauce when it comes to being a head coach, it's not just X's and O's. It's not watching film. It's not sitting in the office and coming up with a game plan and trying to out scheme and out strategize the other team. That's only a part of it. You know, nowadays, almost like the bigger picture and the bigger assignment when it comes to being a head coach, it's you're a leader of men. You're a motivator. You got to be like, you know, part strategist, part Tony Robbins. You got to get these guys to believe in you. And if you could get 53 guys ready to run through a brick wall for you on Sundays, well, you know what? You've accomplished half of your job. And so far, and the returns are still early, but every single one of those guys in that locker room since Robert Sala's been here, they say they'll run through a brick wall for him. Now, unfortunately, after you run through that brick wall, then you have to actually play football, which is another big part of this thing. But they got the brick wall part down. Now what happens when the ball kicks off in the air and the clock starts running? That's what they have to figure out here over the next several weeks. And you hope that they're going to do it. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. Anthony, he's in the mail truck. He's up next right here on 98.7 ESPN. Anthony, what's going on? Dan, what's up, brother? How are you? Anthony, how are you? Um, I'm doing great. Um, so if, if you guys want to trade Robert Sala for Mike McCarthy, I think us Cowboys fans would, would take that in a heartbeat. Uh, hey, you know, remember, I don't once think- upon, Anthony, once upon a time, and I don't have to remind people, you know, when the, when the previous coach was here uh, and Mike McCarthy was in the running to get that job that went to the previous coach, there were a lot of fans who were lamenting the fact, hey, why didn't they hire Mike McCarthy? Well, you know what? Sometimes the grass isn't always greener. Yeah, it's uh, it's not looking good for us. And, and you know, it, it looks like he was just a, a product of a uh, top five quarterback to ever play the game. Um, but getting to my point... Um, you mean, you the, mean the same thing night. that Nathaniel Hackett might be living off of after one go-through with Denver <laughs> the other night? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, Dan. Um, getting getting to my point from uh, last night, I, ha- I had a couple problems. Um, not as many as I thought because, you know, I was watching the game with my girlfriend on, on Amazon Prime and she said, you know, why, why is it, uh, you know, why is it so pixely? And I said, well, there's probably, you know, a couple million people, you know, streaming the game on the same streaming service. That's exactly why, you know, it's, it, it's happening the way it is. Um, but it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, but, uh, you know, going forward, I, well, how's I, you know, your I, think, I think, how's your, how's your Wi-Fi? So I actually watched it at her house and, and she lives in the sticks. So that, that also could be it as well. Um, you know, she, she lives in a, uh, a very, uh, tree, uh, based area. She's so that, one with that nature. You could be. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that could be it too. Um, but just, you know, I, I don't know. I think, I think that it, it'll, it'll be good. I just, I wish that there was like another option. I wish there was like, you know, NFL network or, you know, I know that they're doing it all for money. I, I know they got an uh, 11 year deal for $11 billion, which is insane. Um, 
But one, one more, one more point well, on the Jets. Real quick, may, Anthony, um, it's it's only go gonna it, it's only gonna help us for that one game because the Giants don't play a Thursday night game this year. They have the they play on Thanksgiving, so that like satisfies their Thursday night assignment. But the Jets have a Thursday night game. It's the the game against the Jaguars. It's that week of Christmas, so it's like not till the end of the season. When that game rolls around. Even though it's the Amazon Prime game, they're still going to show it on local TV in New York. I think it's going to be on Fox. So, like, you're able to watch it on Fox that night, but it's only for, like, they do that only for the local markets with whatever team is playing. Oh, yeah. I I thought I heard that, too, about, uh, about, like, the local markets as well. Yeah, but it's just for that one night, unfortunately, for us. Yeah. Um, Really quick, I I know you got to run. With the Jets, you know, some of these Jets and I, I believe you said it on, on one of the crosstalks with, with the Michael K show, and, and no one really has been talking about it, but, you know, maybe Salah made these comments to get the, um, you know, the monkey off of his team's back and, you know, put it on his back. You know, no one's really talking about that, but yet everyone's just talking about Robert Salah's comments and, you know, yeah, a little bit about the performance of the Jets, but mostly about Robert Salah's comments. So maybe he's got, you know, Maybe he's got something in his head that's that's working right, man. Thanks for taking my call, Dan. You have a great day, brother. Anthony, appreciate it as always. Could be the case. Like I said, you know, a a coach is going to do that. A good coach, at least, is a guy, you know, who leads the team. As I said, you're a leader of men. And if you're going to be the face of the organization and you're going to be the mouthpiece, which a lot of times you are, you know, you're going to take the bullets for your guys so they don't have to face the scrutiny. And maybe he figured, you know, coming off of a loss – This is the approach he feels. But you know what? He's confident. He believes in those guys in the locker room. And that's how I would take it if I was a player. I would say, well, you know what? Here's my coach. He's got our back. And he believes that we can go out there and play better than we've been showing. But the only way that you're going to convince people that you're not talking out of your you-know-what is if you go out there on Sundays and actually change the outcome and change the narrative. Right? Right? And start to actually have different results on Sundays. Because this team has not won a lot for the last few years. And that's why Robert Sala is here. I mean, it's almost hard to fathom that it's 2022 and this team has not been to the playoffs since 2010. Which is the longest playoff drought in the NFL. I mean, and and, and that was coming off back-to-back championship games. And you were, like, not quite on top of the world, but you were, like, the next level below. Like, that's how good things were. I like, oh, we're going to be in the hunt for years. We're going to be competitive for years. And you know what the years have shown, unfortunately. But can they turn it around? Guys, the roster's better. You might not want to acknowledge it after one game, but if, like, you take a step back and you just look at it, that's a good roster. Is every position perfect? No. Do they have their flaws like any other team does? Yes, but you can't be objective And look at this Jets team and say it's not better on paper than it has been for quite some time. Now they just got to go out there and put it all together. As far as the baseball is concerned, hey, Mets won a game last night. I mean, I'm sitting there watching this thing and then like they they had two runs in the first inning. And then a couple of innings later, they put up a few more runs. I I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I had to actually walk up and get close to the screen to see if, like, my eyes were deceiving. Like, the Mets were actually scoring runs. And I'm still – you can never be too confident nowadays because you're waiting for, like, that other shoe to drop. You're waiting for Carlos Carrasco to hand the ball over to that bullpen. 
and to watch maybe Seth Lugo implode or whoever else that Buck was going to call upon, you know, that that very shaky, questionable bridge to Edwin Diaz. And they didn't even need Edwin Diaz last night because it turned into a laugher. And look, that's what you're supposed to do. I know that this is like a novel concept, but this is what's actually supposed to happen when you play a garbage team like the Pittsburgh Pirates. You are supposed to annihilate them. Make them the laughing stock that they have become. Win a decisive baseball game. And then, like, you take a step back from everything and you look at the standings, and the Mets won their 90th game of the season last night. And you say, well, were we being a little unrealistic? Were we being too harsh? You know, were we taking those losses to the bottom feeders, like getting swept by the Cubs and really just not being able to do anything? anything at all offensively were we being just like too unrealistic and irrational about the way this team was playing well yes and no you know because in a long season you play 162 games like this stuff happens you go through dips you know if you go back and look at the 98 Yankees that 98 Yankees team they won 114 games go look at them in the month of September that year you know they hit a little bit of a lull because they were probably just like bored of winning each and every day. And they were like, all right, wake me when the real season arrives in October. But that was a team that could get away with it because they were champions. And that team was gunning for another one. And you had guys in that clubhouse that knew how to win. You don't have guys like that in this Mets clubhouse. You know, how many guys on this roster right now have championship rings? What, Max Scherzer? Is he the the only one off the top of my head? You know, who was actually like a contributing factor in a World Series championship team? I think that might be it. As great as the manager is and as good as he is for this team and this organization and they need him, manager don't have a ring. So this is going to be like uncharted waters for him as well in terms of trying to ultimately get to the top of the mountain and win that championship. But they did what they had to do. And now you can at least have a full one-game lead on the Atlanta Braves. And look, they're not going away and this is not going to be resolved anytime soon because the Mets have played two more games than the Braves have. And you're tied in that loss column. The loss column is the one that's important. Braves could go out there and still just keep winning, winning when they make up those two extra games and things aren't going to change at all. Braves got the Phillies this weekend in their ballpark. Mets, of course, continue on here with Pittsburgh for the next few days. I mean, is it too much to ask for the Mets to sweep Pittsburgh? Is it? You got Walker tonight. He got Bassett tomorrow, and Bassett had a stinker his last time out. But you know what? That was like his only bad start in the last like couple of months. You know, you want to just wash that one away as you know a one-off? Okay, fine. And then he got Jacob DeGrom pitching on Sunday. Like, edge Mets, right? Edge Mets. And then Max Scherzer is supposed to come back on Monday and rejoin the rotation when they go to Milwaukee. This is what you're supposed to do this time of year, Right? Finish off this division. And until it happens, and until the Mets are actually in a comfortable position, which I don't know if they're going to be in over the next two and a half weeks because of the way things have gone here of late, you know, Met fans are going to be conditioned to thinking about 2007, 2008, those late season collapses where, you know, they squandered an opportunity to play October baseball. Like you're talking about Jet fans and how they feel and, you know, one comment by the head coach and now it's like set off uh, all these flames and panic and how dare you? Well, Met fans got to be feeling the exact same way with how this team has played over the last couple of weeks. Okay, so this was one good outing, but I'm still not convinced 
that everything that ailed them, certainly from an offensive standpoint, is cured. How, how can you? Well, because Daniel Vogelback had a couple of hits last night. Finally, well, that's nice. You know, you are allowed to get hits. I'm still concerned. And Starling Marte will be back here soon, you hope. But I said this last night. Like, I don't want to hear about, like, Starling Marte being out of this lineup as to why the Mets are just suddenly floundering on off. I mean, Starling Marte is not Henry Aaron, right? He's a good player, but not a Hall of Famer. Not like you're taking Aaron Judge out of the Yankee lineup or something like that. All right, they should be able to function. You got a shortstop who's making $340 million, which, by the way, he had himself a good night last night, which was good to see. Single season career high in RBIs for him. RBIs, home runs for a shortstop and met history. Lindor's had a good year. You know, he's had a good year in the grand scheme of things. You know, you got Jeff McNeil batting over 320. Alonzo hit one, you know, uh, had a couple of hits last night. Maybe breaking out of his funk a little bit. And the other thing that's been brought up here, somebody's thrown it around like, you know, maybe they're tired. I don't want to hear about tired. You know, you're big league baseball players. You're professionals. That's what you get paid a lot of money to do. You know, the Dodgers... Dodgers wrapped up the National League West a couple of nights ago. The next day, they finally gave Freddie Freeman a day off. That was the first game that Freddie Freeman did not play all season. Freddie Freeman's older than all these guys I just rattled off with the Mets, and he's having a great year. He ain't tired. You know, Trey Turner has played in all but two games for the Dodgers. He's had a great year. He ain't tired. He's still going out there and doing his thing and putting up numbers and doing what the team expects him to do. Here was Buck after last night's game talking about Lindor and his latest achievement. First of all, I know it's a big night for him. You know, I, I told you guys earlier, I, I thought about last night, DH in the day, and then I knew what a big night it is for him with uh, Roberto Clemente. I know that meant a lot to him. And he's just been a rock for us in so many ways. Certain things you, you put over in the, I can count on that column. And uh, Francisco's been one of those guys. We've got a lot of guys like that. Well, Roberto was probably rooting for the Pirates in the game last night because that's his team. But nevertheless, I don't care what day it is. You know, Mets needed to win a game. And they got it done. So, so that's the important part of this whole thing. And beforehand, you got news that Sandy Alderson was going to be stepping down and transitioning out of his role as the club president. What that tells you, a couple of things. Number one is that you know that Steve Cohen is going to try to go big game hunting. At some point here during the offseason, you know that they have had eyes on David Stearns, who is the president of baseball operations for the Milwaukee Brewers. Remember, they tried to bring him in here last year, but they didn't allow him to get out of his contract. And I believe maybe he only has like one more year on the deal. And, you know, when there's only one year left, maybe you can work some things out and it's a little bit more feasible. I would say David Stearns. Remember, Theo Epstein is a guy that they've reached out to in the past, and now he's sitting there in the commissioner's office trying to change all the rules of baseball and banning the shift and, you know, talking to all the electricians about getting the pitch clock set up in all of the ballparks for next year. So maybe Theo might be a little bored and wants to get back into running a team. You know that Steve Cohen will pay him whatever the heck he wants. That's what it tells me, that they're going to try to make a splash. Now, if I'm Billy Epler, does that make me feel secure in my job? Probably not. Probably not. You know, and overall, Billy Epler has done a good job, but, you know, when you have an owner who's giving you basically a blank checkbook, 
kind of helps. I mean, I could have been the GM of the Mets and signed Max Scherzer, right? If my owner says, here's a blank check, give Max Scherzer $43 million a year, I could have closed that deal. You don't have to be some lifelong baseball executive to make that happen. And, you know, let's tell it like it is, folks. Did Billy Epler do a good job at the trading deadline? You know, when you're trying to make that very last push to cover up whatever holes and deficiencies your team might have? The answer is no. You know, Mets did not have a good trade deadline. None of these guys they brought in at DH, whether it's Vogelback, Naquin, Darren Ruff, don't get me started on him, you know, Michael Givens, none of these guys. They didn't do enough to shore up the bullpen. You hope that it doesn't come back to bite them, and at times, at least offensively, they are leaking oil a little bit. Football fans, it's not too late to sign up for Cover 5. It's a free-to-play pick'em game for season-long fun. Compete against your friends, your rivals, and your favorite 98.7 ESPN hosts like yours truly. Pick five games each week, and the best score against the spread throughout the regular season will win $1,000. Weekly prizes of $100 will also be awarded. Join the 98.7 ESPN League with code NY22 on the Cover 5 app and Cover5.com. Visit ESPNNewYork.com for full contest rules. We will make our picks Our week two picks coming up here before we get out of Dodge. Did quite well in week number one. So we got to keep the good times rolling. Four and one in week number one for yours truly. So we'll see what we have in store coming up here in just a little bit. Yankees back in it tonight. They got the Milwaukee Brewers in Wisconsin. First of three games. Off day yesterday. They got an off day on Monday as well. And I think they have one maybe even next Thursday, just looking ahead. So, I mean, they got like three off days here in a a good little while, which really is going to be good for this club, trying to stay as fresh as possible coming down the stretch. We know that they're missing a lot of bodies. They are going to get Luis Severino back here next week, it sounds like, to get back into that rotation. That is a big boost for them. And look, Severino could potentially be an X factor for this club before it's all said and done, especially when you're thinking about October. If you can get him pitching at a high level, that would certainly make things a lot easier on everybody else in that rotation. And, you know, dare I say, if you can have three guys that you trust going into the playoffs from that rotation, Cole, which, look, you have to, Nestor, even though he's never been down this road before, and then Severino, couple that with an offense, that maybe is clicking and maybe hitting some balls out of the yard. You have a different outlook on this baseball team. And how about Glaber Torres? That, to me, is the big takeaway. Not Judge hitting all these home runs here over the last few days. How about the way Glaber's been swinging the bat? You know, is this like 2019 all over again? Is he getting back to that level? Could you imagine how this lineup looks different if you have a Glaber Torres who, I know it's only a small sample, but starts to flash that form that we saw pre-pandemic when you thought we were talking about a guy who was a future MVP in this league, which made him so highly coveted when the Yankees went out and got him in that Chapman trade from the Cubs. And then in 2019, he was playing like a future MVP. And then what happened? Pandemic hit. He showed up for that summer camp. He was out of shape. Brian Cashman let the whole world know that. And he really hasn't been able to recover since. But what we've seen over the last week, I mean, you know, nine hits over the last five games, nine RBIs in the last five. I mean, this is a contributor. This is somebody that, you know, if you're an opposing team, you say, wow, do you mean there's another guy in this lineup not named Aaron Judge that we have to consider ourselves about? And Judge is at 57. 
five away from the record, 19 games to play. I think he's going to do it. Question is, how much of an opportunity is he going to get to try to shatter the American League record book? And, and make, no, make no mistake about it, it's a big deal. A lot of people think, you know, because baseball was ravaged by the steroid era, the record book was absolutely just, you know, you took a detonator to it. But this is different. You know, there's only four guys in the history of the American League, four guys who have hit more home runs than Aaron Judge has hit this year. That stands for something. Even in this day and age, it does mean something significant. But of course, you're not going to be satisfied until you get clarification as to what his future is going to be at the end of the year. And where is he going to call home? And are the Yankees going to be able to re-sign him? And, and look, he's not going to give the Yankees any sort of hometown discount either. You know that, I know that. It's not happening. Because if he was going to give him a hometown discount, he would have signed for the 213 that they were offering back at the beginning of the year. And he went out there and he's had the season that he's been able to orchestrate, which means he's in for even a larger payday, and rightfully so. But last night at the Met game, uh, Fox had it, right? And Ken Rosenthal, who of course is the reporter, he was asked on the air about the possibility of Aaron Judge, yes, staying in New York, but maybe signing with the Mets. Take a listen. I don't think anything is crazy when it comes to free agency. And with Judge, Steve Cohen is a classic Mets fan. And I grew up here, and what Mets fans love most is to torture the Yankees. So even if he can't get Judge, I have a hard time imagining that he will not at all make a bid or at least show interest, if only to drive up the price for the Yankees. And if the Mets season does not end as successfully as they wanted to, why wouldn't they be interested in Aaron Judge? Steve Cohen's a Met fan. At heart, that is who he is. Not just the owner. He's not the guy with the big fat checkbook, but he's a Met fan. Could I foresee a scenario where Aaron Judge is wearing a Met uniform? Yeah, I could see it. Makes Look, at the end of the day, money is going to be the determining factor. You know, you could talk loyalty all you want. You could talk about, you know, how much he, he loves being a Yankee and how much it fits him. And look, I, I believe he's sincere when he says that. But money is going to be the tipping point here. And who's got more money compared to any other team, any other owner in this sport? It's the Mets. And they've got a need at one of the corner outfield positions. Of course they do. Who wouldn't want that Aaron Judge bat in their lineup? I mean, it's a no-brainer. Boy, that would... I mean, how would a Yankee fan feel? Because they really never had to deal with something like that. Totally. I mean, they've seen Yankees go to the Red Sox and vice versa. Like, we've played that game. But, like, to the Mets, like, in the prime of his career? I still, look, I don't believe it's going to happen. Like, if you're asking me right now, what team do I think Aaron Judge is playing for opening day of 2023? I still think it's the Yankees. But remember, outside of Garrett Cole, what free agent? I don't care your own or somebody else's. What free agent have the Yankees gone out and given a ridiculously super large paycheck to over the last 10 years? Like when we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars outside of Garrett Cole. They going to pony up? I would think that, you know, if there was a guy that you were going to give all that money to, it would be one of your own, a guy that you know better than anybody else. 
But then how much of a deal breaker is it going to be when you talk about the length of the contract and the years that he wants? Because Judge is 30 years old. You can't give him a 10-year contract. Can't do it. I think a seven-year deal, high AAV, I think that's more than fair. But is the judge camp going to feel that way? And then in turn, is there going to be another team out there, whether it's the Mets or some other club, that maybe throws an eighth year at Judge? And maybe that's going to be the sticking point in negotiations. Like, Judge wants eight years. Yankees aren't willing to go that deep. And then another team does, and that's what pushes the deal over the top. I mean, these are all things that we're going to be talking about certainly over the next, you know, several months. But right now, you're worrying about the business that matters, and that's making sure that They're in good position come playoff time. Finishing off this division. I mean, the Yankees, they're going to win it. They're not going to surrender a six and a half game lead. It's not going to happen. Clinch the division. Let Judge take a stab at the record books. Go have a strong postseason. And then whatever happens, happens. But as we've also been talking about, you know, if Judge is going to leave, and if he is playing out the string here as a Yankee, it probably softens the blow to a certain extent if the Yankees finish the judge tenure with like a trip to the World Series and maybe winning a World Series, right? Freddie Freeman left the Atlanta Braves. Nobody saw that coming, and they played hardball with him. Dodgers gave him a better contract, but he won you a World Series, and that certainly softens the blow. Will the history repeat itself for the Yankees? I don't know. I don't know. But you got time to think about that one here over the next few weeks. Also this weekend in baseball, real quick, We put a bow on this. As I said, Atlanta's hosting the Philadelphia Phillies. Met fans are going to be keeping an eye on those games on the out-of-town scoreboard. Also in the record department, Pujols is at 697. They're playing Cincinnati this weekend at home as he tries to get closer and closer to 700. I think he's going to get it, and he might have an opportunity or two. Actually, you know what? He'd have better chances probably if the games were in Cincinnati because Great American Ballpark is a band box more so than St. Louis's, but those games are at Bush Stadium. So we'll see how he fares against uh, the division foes there from the National League Central. All right, let's get some picks out of the way here for week number two. And it's time for our kiss of death, which is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Kiss of death. A lot of different ways you can go with this one. What's crazy to me is that you've got some of these lines this week, which I mean, like, are really out of this world. I mean, some lopsided point spreads. So, like, there is not a heck of a lot of confidence right now in some of these teams, and Vegas certainly thinks that there's going to be a lot of lopsided and one-sided contests here in week number two. I'll give you an example. Let's go out to Los Angeles and start the first one. Rams, who were embarrassed in week number one on Thursday night. You know what? Maybe fattening up too much on their Super Bowl championship, right? Living the good life. Buffalo went in there and said, we want that trophy. We're a good team. We feel that we got robbed last year. And they absolutely took it to the defending champs on that Thursday night. Their offensive line got mauled. Stafford was running for his life. A lot of concerns about that Ram team. But you look at it and say that happened against Buffalo. And Buffalo's really, really, really good. This is one of those get-right games. Atlanta's coming in. Atlanta, by all accounts, probably should have beaten New Orleans last week. They had him dead to rights and then blew a fourth-quarter lead. But the Falcons are not good this year. And I don't know how good the Rams are going to be, but the Rams are a lot better than Atlanta. 
Rams are upset as to how they played the other night. The line scares me a little bit, but it's in L.A. And you got to figure that they're going to take out all their frustration on the Falcons. So I'll take the Rams and I'll take the 10 and a half for game number one. Game number two. Let's go to Vegas. Raiders trying to get in the win column. Played a tough game against the Chargers, but got beaten week number one. Arizona. Arizona. They're all banged up. They let Patrick Mahomes embarrass them in their building last week. Go up and down the field as if it was nothing. Normally, Arizona folds in the second half of the season under Cliff Kingsbury. But they got major problems right now. And the schedule didn't do them any favors. Now they got to go on the road and take on this Vegas team which I think is a better team. And I think that that Vegas defense is going to get after Kyler Murray and company. You think about what this Raider team is, and I know that they're in a brutal division, a brutal division out there. But you know what? Arizona still leaves a lot to be desired as far as I'm concerned. Cardinals banged up. They're going to start 0-2, folks. Because I think that Vegas defense is a lot better than the Cardinal defense. Give me the Raiders, minus 5.5 over the Cods. Game number two. Game three, here's another one of these outlandish point spreads. But you can kind of see the rhyme and reason behind it. Broncos. Nathaniel Hackett's still out there on the practice field, lining up, you know, 65-yard field goals, seeing if it's a good choice or not. You got the Texans coming in this week. Houston, I was shocked. I was shocked that they even were that close against the Indianapolis Colts last week. Houston's going to have a long year. Just like it is for the Rams, this is one of those get-right games for Denver. It's a hard place to play. Home opener for Russell Wilson. Place will be going crazy. They're not going to have to worry about 65-yard field goals because you know what? They might be scoring 65-yard touchdowns in bulk against this Texans team. I think they're walking into a buzzsaw. I don't love the number, but if you're asking me, are the Broncos going to beat the Texans by double digits? I say yes. Give me Denver minus 9.5 over Houston. That is our game number three. Game number four, and you know what? It's another double-digit point spread. And we're going to go to Monday night. You got a Monday night double dip this week. Don't forget about that. They're like staggered scarts. You got Buffalo, Tennessee at 7.15. You got Philadelphia, Minnesota at 8.30. So you got two games to play with on Monday night. Let's go up to Orchard Park. Bills, Titans. Tennessee probably still kicking themselves. How they let that one get away from them against the Giants on Sunday. 13-0 lead at the half at home. Looked like you were marching down the field after blowing the lead. But then they got too giddy and they were celebrating too much. And then they had to burn that last time out, which was awful, without even running a play when they got out of bounds. And it ended up costing them because they couldn't get any closer for that field goal. And he missed it. Buffalo, on the other hand, I mean, we just talked about him, right? Buffalo, from top to bottom, boys and girls, for my money, Buffalo's the most talented roster in the National Football League. 1-53, to Bills have the best roster. Home opener. Place is going to be bonkers. Bills fans know that this is their best chance to get that elusive Super Bowl since they went to four straight Super Bowls. They know the time is now. They're a better team than the Tennessee Titans. 
You know, Tennessee, they showed a lot of warts last week, letting the Giants go in there and beat them. So you think that this is going to be a laugher for the Buffalo Bills, right? Not so fast. Yeah, I think Buffalo wins the game, but Tennessee is a team that has won two straight divisions. They're not a slouch. They really didn't get Derrick Henry going last week to the extent that you would like them to. I think Tennessee plays a good football game on Monday night. I don't think they win. Let me be clear about that. They will not win. But that 10 number is just too good to pass up, so I will take the 10 points. And I'll lay it on the Tennessee Titans to cover on Monday night. That's our fourth game. And lastly, call it the kiss of death. Call it whatever the heck you want to call it. But if you heard the beginning of the show today, I kind of tipped my hand to it a little bit. And we're going to East Rutherford. We're going to MetLife Stadium. Giants. Panthers. The Ben McAdoo Bowl. Giants home opener. They're riding high. They're on top of the world. They're going to go to 2-0, right? Schedule is all falling into place for them. Carolina got destroyed last week by the Browns, right? Cleveland ran up and down the field on him. You expect to see Saquon doing exactly the same thing. But this is still a giant team which has a lot to prove. It's a giant team that, despite what happened on Sunday, they still have to prove that they can win, that they know how to win. I could see Carolina going in there and surprising them on Sunday. As a matter of fact, not only can I see it happen, I'm telling you right now that it will happen. Give me the points. Give me the two and a half. Give me Baker Mayfield. The Ben McAdoo revenge game is upon us. Give me the cats and I'll take the two and a half. They're going to get off at 16W, and they're going to waltz right into MetLife Stadium, and Baker and Ben and Christian McCaffrey and Sam Darnold watching from a box upstairs because he's on injured reserve. The Panthers are going to have the last laugh and spoil the Brian Dayball home opener and win it outright. I'll take those two and a half points and put them in my pocket. Thank you very much. So to recap... Week two picks, Carolina minus two and a half. Rams minus ten and a half. Denver minus nine and a half. The Raiders minus five and a half. And give me Tennessee plus ten, the week two selections. You can find those as well on the Cover 5 app in the 98.7 ESPN contest.